Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're listening, uh, and welcome to episode 16 of Dude and the Monkey. I am Mark Foster, and I'm joined as ever by my host, uh, uh, Ian Laurie. Hi. Um, today we are covering Danny Boyle's return to filmmaking, now he's stopped pissing about doing sporting events with Trance. Uh, we'll also be looking at some one old, one news, some trailers we've been watching, and we'll be getting to the... <laughs> penultimate instalment of our sleazy stone marathon in 1997's bizarre u-turn oh i will just ask are we doing any given sunday like yeah. after savages is like just a special bonus yes we will be um uh, because of the uh density chapman suggested um us doing oliver stone uh and we thoroughly enjoyed doing these sort of sleazy stones films uh-huh. um it one of the ones he particularly wanted us to look at was any given sunday uh, it doesn't really fight the remit of um, of Sleazy Stone. Um, so we considered other options. Uh, doing a commentary would be too long because it's nearly a three-hour film um, and neither of us know that much about American football. So um, it would probably be us just talking about Al Pacino's hair and Elizabeth Berkeley's boobies. So uh, we decided we're just going to cover the, the, the film itself. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to do Any Given Sunday, uh, maybe as a main review, maybe as an additional while we try and work out what our next marathon is. I'll do my, um, I'll also perform my cover of Jamie Foxx's song Any Given Sunday from the soundtrack to Any oh, Given oh Sunday. Oh God, he does sing, doesn't he? Have you ever seen on the special features for that as well? There's a copy of Jamie Foxx's um, audition tape that he sent to Oliver Stone. Oh, and it's basically him in like a park throwing American footballs talking about how great he is. And it is just, it's like a little short, like two minute reason of why I think I still kind of hate Jamie Foxx, even though he comes across as being quite a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And it's just for this, this two little minute clip of him throwing American football, talking how wonderful he is. Um, so, yeah, we're going to cover uh, U-Turn, uh, which I've not watched in, ooh, I would say a good 10 years um, and then got to watch it this week. Um, so... Uh, we're going to play a little trailer from Trance and then we're going to get into it. Have you ever been hypnotized before? Uh, no, at least not that I can remember. Close your eyes. There you are, in the passenger seat of an open top car. Driving through the countryside with a beautiful young woman. I like your voice. And with every mile you travel, all your problems. Where is the painting? I don't remember. Seems so far away and so long ago. And now, relaxed, free from harm. You begin to remember what you did with the painting nine and you know that the men cannot hurt you seven now do you want to remember five or do you want to forget three your life depends on it she has been using you from the start Simon Okay, you heard a little trailer 
from trance. This is, uh, like I said, Danny Boyle's return to actual um, filmmaking. Now he's stopped pissing about doing NHS um, promotional videos for the Olympics. Uh, the film stars um, James McAvoy and his many voices, uh, Vincent Cassell and Rosario Dawson's Vagina. So, um, Ian, what did you think of Trance? Um, I'm just going to go off on a slight tangent before I start talking about Trance and just say that it's the last time I'm going to use this excuse, but I fucked up the editing last week. Thank you very much to Mark for fixing it, and thank you to those who commented to let us know, uh, know about it. I fucked up the editing. Last time I'll say this. I've been really, 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 really fucking busy lately, and I edited the podcast in a rush. I'll try to make sure it doesn't happen again, and now continuing with our normal service. Trance. Also, um, well, also well, I'll, I'll just go on to the side tangent. Happy Easter, everybody. Mm-hmm. I know it's not Easter when you're listening to this, guys, but happy Easter for the Easter you've just had. It's, it's bank holiday Monday for us, so it is still technically Easter weekend. It's so day after Zombie Jesus Day. Indeed. Um, yeah, Trance. Um, I, I will. I will just say a slight caveat. I watched this last Monday, uh, so it's been pretty much a full week since I've seen Trance. So, if some of the specific details are a little bit hazy, I do apologise. But um, I, I very much enjoyed Trance. Um, I have a bit of a bias towards Danny Boyle for obvious reasons. Um, but saying that, I'm not a massive fan of all the man's work. Um, I wasn't particularly keen on 127 hours, if I'm honest. Uh, it didn't work for me. Uh, but I was looking forward to Trance uh, and, like, you know, the pre-release stuff of him basically doing this as, like, a time-off exercise from the Olympics and getting his kind of darker, shadier side out. Um, you know, it's been talked about much. And I think that results in, um, you know, his most genre film in years. Um, in, in terms of overall impact like at least uh, intended overall impact so probably his slightest film in years but i don't have a problem with that to be honest i'd rather see danny boyle playing in these waters than i would in the um, oscarbation waters uh it looks great it's well performed i enjoyed the twists and turns um and i i had a great deal of fun with it i don't think it's perfect um but uh, I, I had an awful lot of fun with it, Mark. Uh, right, well, first of all, I, I, as usual, uh, we are all spoilers all the time. Um, yes, so indeed. if you've not seen Trans, um, please uh, fast forward to uh, the end of the review um, because yeah, Trans is one of those films which gets very spoilery very quickly. Um, and I'm, I'm very much one of those people who believe that if something happens in the first five minutes of the film, it's still a spoiler. Um, just because it doesn't happen at the end doesn't stop it from becoming a spoiler. Um I think you could, we could go as far as what the trailer says, though. Can't yeah, we? we can go as far as what the trailer says. Um, I uh, the film that um, in Danny Boyle's canon that trans most reminded me of um, was The Beach. Now that wow. may sound like a harsh comment, but I actually like The Beach. I think it's a perfectly enjoyable film, um, and this seems to be, you know, it's. It's Danny Boyle going back to using uh, actors more out of his comfort zone than he's used to using. Uh, it's using actors that may be uh, sort of Slumdog Millionaire Academy Award aside are more well-known than he is to an extent, I'd say, especially on the, the other side of the pond. Uh, 
in Cassell and uh, Rosario Dawson and McAvoy to an extent now. So, you know, it's not... He's using big stars, whereas when you look over his career, um, you know, transporting life is ordinary, you know, transporting Hugh McGregor became a star off the back of that film. Um, You know, Sunshine, you know, you had Killian Murphy, who hadn't quite become as, as big as he'd become and same for Chris Evans 28 weeks later again the same and he's not really you know under 27 hours was essentially one person acting so I don't know that you can count that but with the beach you know he had Leonardo DiCaprio in it it was a you know it was his chance to play around with Hollywood a little bit and that's how I kind of that's the feeling I got a little bit with trance um, like he was enjoying having these um, these quite sort of well-known actors to play with and to kind of to do different things with um, although it's nothing different what we saw from Cassell here um, I enjoyed it but I think it, it, it's deeply flawed and it, it's it, it's way too long uh, it's got a, an incredibly baggy middle and although you kind of you know what's happened you know what's happening and you know where the film's going to end and that's not to say it's going to end that that's a bad thing Um I still wanted to see it end. I just knew where it was going to end. But I still wanted to see that. But I did find myself during points in the middle going, okay, I get it. Can we just get there now? That's that's interesting that you say the middle's baggy and it's because you say you get it. Let's get, let's get on with it. I didn't think the middle was baggy and I wonder if that's because I didn't know where it was going. Did, um, did, you, did you not think that the... The, the constant uh, Rosario Dawson going right we need to do this and then I'm going alright we'll do this oh but now this has happened we need to do this and it's a bit like oh fucking hell right we get it she's playing them alright well, yeah, can you yeah. can you move on a little bit but the thing is like the, the her she's playing them aspect is barely a spoiler as it is oh no it's not a spoiler no no like, that, that's the thing but what I thought was interesting was you know, her allegiances shifted quite a lot, and I but, did wonder on whose side she was. And then by the end of it, it's not that she's on. It's not that she's completely on her own side. She's definitely or more on one person's side than the other. And I think the last scene certainly points that out. Hmm. But. You know, it's not just a question of... The thing is, if this film was just a question of who's she playing, I I, I don't think... You know, I don't think it would have been really worth all that much. You know, it would have been a film that depended on its twist. It would have been M. Night Shyamalan. It would have been... The film is all about the twist and barely anything else. Whereas Trance, I think it's... I'm not saying it's got particularly more going on under the hood or anything like that, but I was surprised how twists and turns played into the emotional heart of the story and where the emotional heart actually came from surprised me and it also wrong foots you nicely in the marketing where it's like in 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 the trailers it's like him saying oh you know how how could you betray me and like halfway through it's kind of revealed that she's playing like she is basically playing him but then you know the, the bit where he says it was her in the car but then the way that that's revealed to be something else later on. But did you, you know, did you, uh, uh, that this might just be me, and again, it's not me being a smart ass. But the minute that started happening, and it was the girl that had previously 
right. What I'll say now is these are massive spoilers. So honestly, people, if you if you have any interest in trans, please um, go at the end of this because what I'm about to say will essentially just destroy the film. Um, in terms of uh, not it'll still be a job to watch, but it'll destroy it in terms of you'll know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, the bit with the car bit, did you not immediately as soon as that start happening thinking right? So she's dead in the trunk of that car. Not, not in the slightest. I right. That's that that might that that could explain why I didn't. How by did the you end. get? How did you get from that to? I'm not. I'm not saying that I don't believe you. I'm not. I'm, no, I'm no, genuinely no. intrigued. How did you get from that to she's in the trunk of the car? Car keys. Found the car keys. Um, so they were. They, 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 they clearly weren't the car keys for his car. You see, that's the thing. The film did a clever enough job of making me forget that. Like, because it, it, it's it he, within. He, he saw his car before it came in, so I knew that they, those keys worked for his car. So the thing was, is he he needed to find he knew where the keys to the car were. Um, so car keys. The fact that it clearly wasn't going to be Rosario Dawson driving that car. Because that would have been too much of a coincidence. That had to be a double bluff. That was a MacGuffin. So it was clearly that. So it was clearly the girl. And it's not a big leap to make that he's killed that girl. So I, no, straight, I, away, I, straight away I thought, right, so the painting, it isn't in his flat, clearly. It's in that car. He's killed that girl. And, and, and the, the painting is in that car. She's in the trunk of that car, which again opens up one of my problems with that. That car, after what the weeks, months is it supposed to have gone by? Yeah, that car months, would have yeah. stank. Somebody in that thing would have gone, would have gone. That car has been here for weeks and it fucking stinks. Can we call the police? And so straight away, there's a massive <laughs> hole. And also the beginning, the opening heist, which was brilliant, by the way. The opening heist kind of bit uh, with the stealing of the painting. Yeah. Um, that bit is a brilliant, it's a wonderfully shot bit, right? Um, the Ukrainian in the van. I'm sorry, there's nobody in the front of that van that can pull it forward um, for foot so that they can get out. <laughs> I mean, fucking... You don't have a group of Ukrainian ex-military guys just sat in the back of a van with nobody there to drive it in case they need this, it. There. This is totally, totally one of those cases where if you go with the film, you let yeah, that. It, it, but it, that it, that didn't even come to mind for me. And none of, I mean, like the fair play, fair play. I mean, come on, that's a. It, it, it's something as simple as that, and it, it might be nitpicking, but if it, it's just if those Ukrainians would have got out and would have been able to stop that. Sorry, there'd have been somebody in the front of that van who would just go... Because if not, why are they in a van? No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, in, in the end of the day, when a film is as, like, like plotted out, as, as these beats are as plotted out and specific as they have to be for that situation, I don't think it's nitpicking to say, well, how come this then? Because it's quite a big thing within the context of that sequence. Do you know what it, but... it felt a little bit like to me with Danny Boyle? Like, he'd, he'd done the Olympics, and he'd, he'd taken on the Olympics because he'd gone, right, I want to do the Olympics, and I want to do it because I want to do my version, because if I don't do it, 
somebody else is going to do a shit job of it, and I think I can do a really good job of it. And he did do a brilliant job of the Olympics. It, you know, that is the usual thing that Britain usually fucks up massively, that kind of thing. And Danny Boyle ensured with the opening ceremony of the Olympics that we didn't fuck it up and that he did a brilliant thing. It was wonderful. But it seems like he's finished it and gone, fucking hell, I'm a filmmaker. I've just, you know, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I did it. But essentially, I could have been making a film during that time. Well, he's, he's shot, he, in fairness, he pretty much shot Trance before he even really started full-time working on the Olympics and then edited it afterwards. Oh, was it shot before? I, I didn't know. I thought it was shot afterwards. Hang about. No, no, it definitely wasn't shot afterwards. I believe it was shot before and some of it during. Yeah, it did, yeah. No, it did. Yeah, it did. It was, it was shot um, shot before and then edited afterwards, yeah. All right, well, it, it felt a little bit like... Like it kind of it it felt a bit a bit rushed, it, it, and it felt very much not like a, a a filmmaker making his what seventh eighth film, it felt like a filmmaker making his first or second film. You know, it's really good, it's really confident, but there are just these real kind of little sort of thematic mistakes that just kind of happen where you go. Hang on a minute. Well, what about that? What about that? And I don't think Cassell's character was developed anywhere near enough. Um, and you know, you've got Vincent Cassell, who is magnificent in anything, and he's a fucking terrifying human. Um, and I just, I don't think they made him scary enough. Um, McAvoy, what I would like him to do at the start of a film, right? Because he's very good in this. Is McAvoy? He's very good. He's he plays, he plays smarmy very well, uh, and he plays a bit of a dick very well. That's all I got you. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm He plays a, a, a dick quite well, but you kind of like him for it. Uh, he's just a bit of an entitled prick, um, but his voice changes so much during the film. <laughs> it just the accent seems to just flitter between. Him being, you know, from, you know, generic English accent to being Scottish to back to being sounding a little bit American for some reason and then going back to being Scottish. I I can see that as that happening and them explaining it away as, you know, because his character is, you know, there's an awful lot of shit going on his character maybe even his accent changes, even though that is a massive, massive, massive stretch. But that, that, that's Wizards did it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's totally Wizards did it. That's, that's, that, that's, that's absolutely fair. See, I, but... I, 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 feel like, I feel like I'm criticising this film, and do you know what? I, I didn't not enjoy this film. The, the, the thing is, I, I think it's the, it's the thing that I do a lot, actually, and especially on Heroes, where if I was slightly, ah, it was all right on a film, and the other person really liked it, I will take the contrary view because you feel like you need to kind of do that to balance it out. I, 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 I understand, and it's absolutely fair enough. But the thing is, all these things that you're bringing up, I thought Cassell, like the McAvoy, the accent, yeah, I noticed it, I, but I went along with the film. Cassell, I thought, I thought what happened with his character was just about all right enough. I'm glad he didn't just stay Eurofug for the entire yeah. thing. I'm glad his character shifted a bit and that was enough for me, even though yes, I do 
understand you get Vincent Cassell in your film, do something more with him. I, that's fair. I, I don't really care. The, the thing is, this film is Rosario Dawson's film. Mm. And the marketing does not tell, it does not say that. And the first half of the film does not say that. That she does an awful lot of heavy lifting here. Her character is constantly shifting and it, and it's always relevant in terms of in terms of the story itself. It always makes sense in terms of the story how her character is constantly kind of changing. And I I thought she did very well. And I also think that you know Boyle he's always been a visual filmmaker, always, always, always. And he's cutting loose and he's having a lot of fun here. The film looks gorgeous. Mm. I love the change in in the color tone as the film goes on. I think Anthony Dodd-Mantle did. Again, another great job with, with the visuals and also the the the, the score, the, well, the sound, the mix of the score by Rick Smith and the like source music, I thought was really, really well handled. Like the the score, uh, the, the the piece of music that's being used while um when it's coming up to uh like the half the, the halfway point in the film where McAvoy like says that she was in the car. Like and and the way it's all kind of building up. I thought the editing in that bit was great. I thought the score was great. I mean, mm. like one of the things I most like about Sunshine, out of the many things I love about Sunshine, is the way that the editing of the visuals and the score go hand in hand. And that is exactly the same in Trance. And I haven't seen that as much with Danny Boyle. That particular brand of of uh, of uh, film and sound editing. No, he, he uses Sunshine. he uses music uh, and score very well to to build tension you know and he builds to that that crescendo like you know that that crescendo like boom um almost and he does it very well in here and he you know it, the best example that he's ever done of it is that you know it is the um the spacesuit scene in in sunshine which is you know quite simply one of you know i think you'll you'll probably agree more than me it, it, it is a, a phenomenal shot phenomenally tense scenes and one of the the best uses of, of, of a visual hitting a you know a just colliding with um with the score and the sound to create just this this bombastic noise of, of tension almost and that's you do get that you know once within trance it's then when later on he tries to do it again and it doesn't quite work as well but it kind of you're talking like the the van sequence yeah that i was a little bit like sure you know what you've done loud music to create tension twice already in this film you can't pull the same trick three times you know you've got to you've got to do something else now um and and he did and he'd, he'd done it twice already a little bit too early um again i didn't have a problem with it i I, I can see what you're saying that Boyle does that a lot. Like it, in Sunshine, it happened. That happens at least twice. Uh, Twenty-eight days later, um, that happens quite a few times. You know, with um, the Godspeed You Black Emperor tune uh, at the start, um, before um, Murphy knocks that taxi, um, and I mean at, at, at the end as well. You know, with the the, the famous like Twenty-eight Days Later theme. Um, that is one of the things that Boyle kind of does but i think he does it very well and personally i like it but i can understand what you mean it's not as bad as 28 weeks later no, where no. they just use the same 
piece of music three or four times, even though, in fairness, uh, John Murphy only apparently had like two weeks to do the entire score for 28 weeks later. So that's Jesus why. Yeah, that, that that's why they use that music so so much in that film because it was a rush. He was doing that and Sunshine at the same time. So uh, explains a lot. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I just um the, the thing is, I mean, like there's there's not a lot a lot to really actually talk about, like to get your teeth into with Trance because it it is a slight film. Um, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd agree with that. that. That's not a slight against the film. I, that's I, the, it's not, though, yeah. Danny Boyle, like you say, Danny Boyle, I, I, I would much prefer to see this, Danny Boyle making this, than making um, Slumdog or 127 Hours. I really liked 127 Hours. I thought it, it, I think it's a, it's, it's a very good film, but it's a very good film for a very good performance. You know, I think that Franco is very good in that film, but this is more interesting than that. Uh, there's more. There's more. I get. There's there's more to not appreciate, but there's there's more going on with this. It's not as worthy, you know. I went and watched this um, at midday on a Saturday. I wouldn't go and watch 127 hours at midday on a Saturday, you know. I've seen 127 hours once. Never need to see it again. Whereas you know, I sound like I didn't like trans. I did. I liked trans, and when it comes out on, on Blu-ray, I'll buy it because I enjoyed it, and I'll watch it again. And I could see me watching this two or three times. Um, but if at the end of the year this is in someone's top fucking five, I will be astounded that you've managed to see a lot of films that aren't as good as this. This 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 won't be in my top five. I don't. It won't be in my top ten. But for what it is. I was still happy to go 4.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd because that's how much I enjoyed it. And I, the, the, the thing is, if it was a filmmaker who's not as, uh, as, as kind of visually confident as Danny Boyle, I don't think this film would have been half as interesting. And I also think he might, like, a, a lesser screenplay might have occurred as, uh, as a result as well. You know, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, I like the way that this film indulges in trashier like uh Kermode, when he reviewed it it was like saying it goes into kind of like basic instinct 2 territory at times um or was he actually i think he might have been referring to side effects when he talked but he i think he said this was kind of like similar to that in in the way it does it kind of goes trashier but i like the way that the trashier elements actually fed into the plot as well like this there is some massive full frontal nudity from Rosario Dawson in this. Yeah, like, that, 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 that took me by surprise because there's a scene where she says, I need to go and do something. And you can hear it and you're going, is she shaving herself? Yeah. And then she appears and you're thinking, whoa, oh my God, she was. There it is. But I love it because it's... It's a vagina. It, 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 it's, well, yeah, but I mean, it's also her paint, it, it's her being painted as the femme fatale that she is seducing McAvoy. But then the way it turns around, you know, you know, and it's intrinsic to the plot of him, like the little kind of visual signifier going off in his head to make him act in a particular way, is, is incredible. I, you know, it's nudity, which, yes, it is fairly titillating, but it's also intrinsic to the plot. Mm. And, and frankly... If that was in there, just to be in there, there's, I don't think Rosario Dawson would have ever have agreed to it. 
Oh no, no. I, but I think with this film, I think originally going into it, this was this was a Mac. This was McAvoy's film. This was he was the lead. I think that, that halfway through it, I think they've noticed. Hang on a minute. This isn't. This is this is like you say Rosario Dawson's movie. It's her character's movie, not McAvoy's. Um, and yeah, it, it's not a. It's not a sexualized full front on New Day. It, 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 it's 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 titivating, but it's not it's not a sexualized titivating. We'll say. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. I mean that that's that's fair. It's it's just it's actually quite shocking. I mean, like it like, is, yeah. It, it it is giant muff on a screen, mm. you know, and it's you don't see that every day on on the big screen, you know, like a theatrically released film in a fifteen, no less. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, yeah. Like, this must have been a borderline eighteen as well. I mean, like there's. One moment of very, very graphic violence, which was also awesome. The dick the head. Sorry? The, the heads, that's in the uh, Red Band trailer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's in the Red Band trailer, but I mean, like, what they do with that, you know, it, it's... That is a bit of a holy shit moment to me, mm. uh, you know, and... Um, I, I think it was a mistake putting that in the trailer. Oh, no, no, yes. I think that was a huge mistake. That's that's the curse of the Red Band trailer though. It's like you, the Red Band trailer is basically the money shot trailer. Yeah. Like that, that's that's all they are. They don't really do anything else. Did you think that the um, you know when they um, when Nate um, tells Vincent Cassell's Frank to to go and get the car, and then it all starts to get a little bit rapey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you think that felt a little bit like? Hmm. Didn't need that. Um. I, that it felt that felt a little bit like where's that come from? You know, this that, that, that it, what they're all going to gang rape her. That's a little bit. That's come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and again, like you say, like the that's in the middle, which is already a little bit baggy, and it probably didn't need. To, yeah, I, I. That's that's fair. That's fair. Mm. Um. I mean, what I'll say is, is um, I mean, do you have much more to say on on, on trans? Uh, probably not. Yeah. Um, what I'll say is, it, it's definitely not shit. Uh, it's a solid uh, seven out of ten for me, which is a good rating for me. Um, and I, I enjoyed it, but I think it, it's got a lot of flaws. And I think that um, if this was not a Danny Boyle film, if this was somebody else, I don't think a lot of the the British media especially would be um, praising it quite as highly as they have been. Um, I I don't know. I I, I, mean, I, I maybe. I mean, like certainly the marketing is. I mean, Christ, Danny Boyle's name on the poster is almost as big as the title itself. Um, but in a way, I think that's that's awesome. Um, I I no. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I um. I, I am more than happy to throw up my hands when I say I, I, I haven't enjoyed a Danny, like, there's a Danny Boy film I, I don't think is great. You know, 127 Hours is that film for me. Um, but, I, I, you know, I mean, maybe people are thinking, like, what was going on with my book at the moment, maybe I'm leaning a bit more favourably towards it. But I'm I'm not, to be honest, in this kind of a situation, it would be like, if I haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I'll be absolutely honest, if I didn't like Trance, and I would, you know, I, I probably would have asked Mark if we could have just done G.I. Joe 2 instead. Hmm. Yeah, you know, like, I'm just, 
I, I, uh, like where the book is at at the moment. You know, you know what I'm talking about, Mark. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you know, but the, the fact is, I genuinely enjoyed Trance a lot. I had a great deal of fun with it. I was looking forward to it, and I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's Boyle playing in the house he was playing in 20 years ago with. I mean, like to be honest with you, it most reminded me of Shallow Grave. There's, you know, the dark genre slightly noirish kind of um plot with uh, a visual kineticism uh you know and a thump, uh, kind of a thumping soundtrack as well um and i i, I mean uh, i i don't know i just had a great deal of fun with it i like the fact that it's playing with the audience from the start that it starts really light and quite frothy and you know mcavoy's narration over the top you know it feels like it's going to be a caper Mm. You know, but it gets darker and darker and darker as the whole thing goes on. Like the the little bit rapey and the head violence of the second half of the film don't feel like they wouldn't fit into the first half of the film at all. But the film manages to make it all stick and manages to make it flow for me. Um, is it a film that would be as enduring as a film like Slumdog Millionaire or maybe even 28 Days Later or For Me, Sunshine? Probably not. Is it a good time at the cinema? Fuck yes. And I think that's all Danny Boyle meant to do with this film. And so I would say mission accomplished. I'd agree with that, yeah. Um, I, I think it would have been a, a very different film had the original cast happened. Um, and I'm glad it didn't. And it was this cast rather than the original cast that was that was set down. Because originally, it, it was, you know, you were going to have Colin Firth as the Frank character. Um, and Scarlett Johansson playing um, the uh, Rosario Dawson character, and I think that that would have been a, a, a totally different, totally uh, a much limper version of what we got here, which is quite like you say, it's it, it's trashy, which is nice. I like trashy yeah. films. Yeah. So yeah, um, so I'll say that I, I think Danny Boyle's um, trance was uh, definitely not shit. Yeah, definitely not shit. Um, and from there, instead of going to promos, uh, we're going to go into... Uh, Ian, what trailers have you seen that I forgot to do before? Trailers? Yeah, no, I was wondering if we were going to do that, actually. Um, a lot of trailers this week, frankly. Uh, Your Next, the uh, much-buzzed-about um, horror film, um, finally coming out this August after, like, a dele- uh, after being on the shelf for two years, but it wasn't because of quality reasons, apparently. Um... A very, very conventionally put together horror trailer, but I liked quite a few of the visuals in there. I am intrigued by it, but I am going to try and not be taken in by the it's the next best horror film thing you're going to see. You have to see it, you have to see it, you have to see it. I'm going to try not to get too mad about that, but I thought the trailer was fine. Uh, The Wolverine, uh, I like the trailer. I like that, you know, it looks quite standalone. I do appreciate that, and um, I Again, I think some of the visuals look interesting. Red Band, Pain and Gain. Uh, oh. <laughs> it just looks like a barrel load of fun. It looks fucking wonderful, doesn't it? Um, I'm, not, I'm not joking. Um, that is the best trailer I've seen. I can, it's the best trailer I've seen this year, without a question. That film, I, I can't even say it, that film is a Michael Bay film that I am really fucking looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, and the, and the the plot looks like it suits his style of excess. So fair play, you know. 
Uh, and I watched the trailer for White House Down, which <laughs> looks really fun. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't get people's problem. People seem to be really offended by this for some reason. Oh, oh I know really? why. I, it's because it's Roland Emmerich. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. It's, I'm, you know, Roland Emmerich has, it does seem to have um, learned that he can't just do, like, world-blowing-up stuff all the time. So, you know, good good on him. Uh, and if he gets to do this in an independent, the Independence Day sequels, have at it, Mr. Emmerich. Good on you. Um, so, yeah, those, uh, those were the ones I think I watched this week. Uh, cool. Uh don't have any I think to add to that no like I said I watched the Pain and Game one fucking loved that um, the Wolverine trailer I'm um, I don't know I'm completely undecided I'm smack bang in the middle with that I think it, I, I watched it for the first time and thought that looks fucking terrible and then I watched it the next time and thought I like the look of that <laughs> so I, 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 I think it looks fine I I don't know. I see. I really like the graphic novels that it's based on, uh, and I can see where they're going with it. But then at, at points, it, it just it it looks a little bit obvious and cheap, and I'm worried. I'm really worried because I really want to like Wolverine, and I also I think the fact that they've called it the Wolverine annoys me a little bit. <laughs> just call it fucking Wolverine. You don't have to call it. And pointatively call it the Wolverine. I think it's because it's positioning him as being a bit of a legend. Mm, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it, it, I really hope it's one of those ones where, for me, it's it, it's one of those ones where I look at it and I, I enjoy the film a lot more than I enjoy the trailer. And I think it will be because I, I love the characters of Wolverine and I love Hugh Jackman as the character of Wolverine. And if they can't make that location look beautiful, then none of them deserve to make a film ever again. Um, so I, have, I, I still have a lot of confidence in the film. Uh, the domestic trailer rather than the international trailer is a lot better. Oh, really? I, yeah. um, I've only seen the international. Oh, man. What's the domestic one? It's so much better. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I just want to see who actually shot the Wolverine. Um Ross Emery, right? What's he done? What oh, Marco Beltrami's doing this score. That's not great. No, um, that's not good. I, I I noticed that as well. The Wolverine. Um. Well. The director of photography for the Wolverine shot the Condemned. Did so I? it's obviously going to look amazing. Yes. Oh well, that fuck it. That's it. He hasn't done much, in fairness, but um, yeah. All right, I'm. I'm that's fine. I genuinely, not joking, folks. That's fine. Yeah, the, the, genuinely, not joking. Uh, the condemned is a, is, is a is a barrel of laughs. My God, what was that line that um, killed me? Was it was it was it when he called someone four eyes? No, no, no. It was Vinnie Jones. He he calls, um, he calls a woman something, doesn't he? Uh, he walks away from something and then he says something or other bitch or something and then I then I think she blows up. Bitch or something like Sorry? that. Is he called a stupid bitch or something like that? Oh, no. Now, that is one something bitch. I swear. No, I've got to look this up, Mark. I'm sorry. I know. I, we have um, to look this up. Um, to uh, while, while Ian looks this up, I'll have a backstory. Um, myself, Ian, Ian uh, and uh, Mike from Chinstroke versus Punter and Noel and Jordan of 35mm Heroes fame, um, we all went to, last year, went to a cottage for a weekend um, and had lots of gay sex. And um, 
loaded ourselves up on booze, and then in the afternoon, um, we decided to watch uh, The Condemned because uh, Mike said it was actually really fucking good. We didn't believe him, so we started to watch it, and none of us were actually drunk at this point, and we really, really fucking enjoyed it. What is it? That's one angry bitch. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Oh, man. It's on YouTube, folks. If you just type in the condemned bitch Vinnie Jones, it's the first result. Wasn't that the whole reason uh, why we watched it, based on the fact that Mike said that it was funny because of Vinnie Jones? Because it, like, like, basically, it, yes. like, it didn't tell Vinnie Jones what kind of movie he was in. Like he's in a completely different movie <laughs> to everybody else. Like he's just gone away on a weekend. Oh, that's gold. Right, uh, so that was our um, trailer. So we're going to hear some promos from other podcasts that we like, uh, and then we'll get into one old and one new. It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. For sake, the manager said you'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. (laughs) And romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back. For just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents... You're the problem, you little shit! The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Miller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures of VHS or visit adventuresofvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I just just getting confirmation. It's just in that's the third time though. I mean I must is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> He looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Right, Ian, um, do you want to give us your one old or one new? Um, I'll actually say um, I haven't watched any old this week. Uh, So instead of cheating, I'll sandwich my new into uh, between your old and uh, your between your old and new. Right, cool. Well, my. Oh, I knew first, even though it's an old film. Um, I uh, watched uh, Wes Craven's 1981 um, horror film, Deadly Blessing. 
I was sent it by the lovely people at Noble PR. Uh, it came out last Monday um, from Arrow. Um, it is a it's it's pre uh, Wes Craven doing Nightmare on Elm Street by a couple of years, um, but you know he, he'd already kind of established himself uh, within the horror genre with Last House on the Left and Hell's of Eyes, um, and then you know a couple of years later he would kind of you know do one of the iconic slasher characters in uh, in Freddy Krueger. Um, Deadly Blessing uh, is set in a little uh, sort of farm in town with an, um, a, a group of um, religious um, uh, kind of um, commune almost, um, which are very much like the Amish, uh, but they're called the Hittites. Um, they're like the Amish, but the extreme Amish. Um, You've got a little farm next to them. Um, that would be a hell of a reality show, by the way. Extreme, extreme Amish. Extreme Amish, it would be, yeah. <laughs> this is what it'd be like. This this would be it. Um, and what you've got is you've got uh, another farm just next to the Hittites farm, um, which is run by a guy um, who used to be in the Hittites and is the son of the kind of ruling father of the Hittites. Uh, and he runs a farm next to it with his new wife. Um, and it's fair to say that his doubts are told they're not allowed to talk to him and they're not allowed to be anywhere near him um, because um, he he kind of he left their flock. Um, the, it's it's one of those ones where it's kind of it's been very much forgotten to be honest. As deadly blessing, um, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, you've got Ernest Borgnine playing a crazy um, religious zealot. Um, and then you've uh, got uh, Ryan Jensen who's not in very much but he's very good in this playing your kind of um, your, your heroine of the tale I suppose and then you've got an early appearance from Sharon Stone which is always wonderful um, yes. I mean it, it very much is if, if you were to show somebody this film who doesn't know anything about cinema beyond this film, has no idea who any of these people are, and you were to play the film and say, right, out of all the people in this film, who's gone on to be the biggest star? You would clearly pick out Sharon Stone. Um, although she's not, in terms of acting-wise, she's not, you know, magnificent in this, just in terms of an actual screen presence, um, she's, you know, very good, you know, she's very captivating, she draws people in and she's one of the few characters that you actually kind of give a shit about really um but i there's not a lot to say because i don't want to give too much away because I, th- I think it's a film that not a lot of people have watched and i think it's a film that people should try and sort of track down but what i'll certainly say is, is uh a lot of people have heard bad things about this uh and it, it's it's quite slow and it is quite slow but i thoroughly enjoyed it it's a good afternoon horror film you know there's not a great deal of gore it's not heavy going but it's creepy and fun to be honest is what i'd say about it so yeah uh deadly flesh and wes craven there's not a lot to say about it but it's it's the only new thing i've watched uh this week um so yeah um well worth uh, checking out um probably more i'd say if you're a if you're an avid arrow collector then you know this is one that you know you're not going to just buy and not watch because there's enough to enjoy there. 
or if you're a Wes Craven fan, I would say, you know, give it a go. It's a lot better than his shit he's done in the past sort of five, ten years. Um, and you know, he's perfectly decent. Now, you see, I, I, yeah, I, I also haven't seen... Um... I also haven't seen uh, Deadly Blessing, and it's, it's it's one I would like to check out. But um, I mean, I, I it's been a while since I've seen any um, Arrow uh, discs. Actually, how how does it look? It looks great. It, you know, it looks it it looks um, it, it's not going to look like fucking Skyfall or anything like that. You know, this is a you know a, a medium budget. Um, horror film from the early 80s which means it's low budget in comparison to to most other films that were made around this time Um, so it's not going to look like I say pristine, absolutely sparkling amazing but it looks really good, it's easily the best you can ever get it to look Um, I've seen 20 minutes of it on DVD uh, years ago and it looked like shit yeah. To be honest, it looks fucking awful. Um, this doesn't. This 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 looks. It looks like Blu-ray quality. Maybe not. You know, pushing the limits of what Blu-ray can do. Um, but it, it it it's certainly a a huge step up from DVD. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Uh, and it sounds great. Uh, what is it like? Uh, uh, two channel stereo. Or... It's two channel stereo. Yeah, but but. Um, in terms, of, I think it's more, you know, it's very well. The sound design in the film is very good, um, and you've got a really kind of interesting James Horner score um, with it as well. That kind of it gives it, um, it, it makes it feel a lot sort of a lot heavier than it is, um, like um, almost like it's um, like Wes Craven's purposefully done that. To make it seem more austere than it needs to be. Okay. So what's 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 your uh, one of your new then? Yeah, I mean, I I I will just say um, I, uh, I I watched about an hour of Willow yesterday. I had I and I I mean I have seen Willow before. Uh, I bought the Blu-ray. And um, I like basically Donna wanted to go to bed, so we stopped watching it. We're going to watch the rest later on tonight. And um, it's just like it just reminded me when you said James Horner because it's got um, it's got a James Horner score as well. And um, uh, yeah, I, 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 the the Blu-ray of Willow looks fucking fantastic. Do you know what? Uh, I, I I've not seen Willow since um, since I saw it at the cinema. Really? Yeah, I've not seen Willow since I saw it at the cinema. In the late 80s. Yeah, no, it's it, great fun. I mean, like, because um, uh, Don, uh, like, her, her, I think basically, other than, like, rom-coms, her favourite genre is, is probably, like, 80s fantasy. Um, and, and, like, it had been a while since she'd watched it as well. And it's it quite funny because it was one of those ones where, like, she said, oh, I barely remember anything about this. But then in the first half an hour, she was, she said, oh, I remember that maybe about a dozen times. So that's quite funny. But yeah, we're going to watch the rest of Willow tonight. But uh, uh, the picture looks great. The audio is actually really good as well. Um, surprising amount of surround use. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, pleasant surprise there. But uh, yeah, so Willow. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's not to say I haven't watched uh, a lot of stuff um, uh, this week. I, I, I have. Um, but I will... Um, 
I will take on, uh, well, in the spirit of Spring Breakers, uh, Breakers next week, been trying to go through some Harmony Corinne. Uh, I'm about halfway through Gummo, which uh, I'm quite enjoying so far, actually. Um, but I managed to watch the whole of uh, Mr. Lonely. Um, have you seen this, Mark? I've not seen Mr. Lonely, no. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty marvellous. Um, uh, <laughs> so, basically, it's about uh, this Michael Jackson impersonator who basically... It's not that he thinks he is Michael Jackson, but he, he talks about how um, he doesn't think anybody would be interested in, in who he is. So he basically becomes Michael Jackson to, to be more interesting. Uh, he meets a girl impersonating... Um, oh, the guy's played by Diego Luna, and uh, the girl um, who's playing... Um, Samantha Morton, is that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's impersonating Marilyn Monroe, Samantha Morton. Uh, she invites him to a commune in the Scottish Highlands where a bunch of people live as impersonators and they have their own little community. And it's they... Herzog in it. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. I've got this. I haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Herzog, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, she, she invites him to this uh, community where um, he kind of basically falls for her and she is... Uh, but she's married to a man who impersonates Charlie Chaplin, but as she says in the film, behaves more like Hitler. Um, and they have a child who uh, impersonates Shirley Temple. Uh, there's also an Abraham Lincoln who swears a lot. Um, uh, there's a little Miss Red, R- uh, a little Red Riding Hood played by Rachel Corinne, Harmony Corinne's wife, um, uh, like 20 years her, his younger, I think, or like 16 years or something. Um, and basically it's, it, it, it's plot scenes mixed with other scenes that feel like people just riffing and improvising. And this plot is intercut occasionally with these sojourns where Werner Herzog plays a priest who is flying with a load of nuns and one of the nuns falls out of the plane and plummets to the earth and then just gets up and walks away. And then Herzog wants to take the nuns to see the Pope because he thinks that it's a miracle. Um, so there's that. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, it, it's basically, it, it is like a, a, a threadbare plot, but, a, you know, a, a perfectly serviceable plot. But with these individual scenes of people just doing their own thing, which are absolutely amazing. Like the first shot that... The first scene that Werner Herzog's in is like he's talking to this man about his wife leaving him. And it feels like the guy is actually talking about his his wife leaving him. And Werner Herzog's asking him why. And he gets to the bottom of it that this guy just cheated on his wife. And Werner Herzog's playing this priest and he's absolving the guy of his sins and he's like he's calling him a sinner and saying he has to confess. And the guy looks like he's actually breaking down and admitting to like infidelities and that it was all his fault. It's quite something. And it like because Corinne has has been accused of um, kind of manipulating people and using like real life people for his own personal gains. Mm. But it, it like and there's there's it looks like there's a fair bit of that in Gummo and I can. In yeah, Gummo, right. I can kind of see where they're coming from, but 
it, it's all about kind of hitting some sort of emotional truth and, and getting to the bottom of these people's actual feelings. And with this one in particular, it really, really does. And it feels quite special. And it doesn't. And the thing is, Herzog does not feel like the kind of person who manipulates other people for his own needs. He is all about the real you know, even though he he feeds into his per, into his personality, like his stage personality is such quite a bit, it is all for an ultimate kind of truth, I suppose, and it, and it really comes across in Mister Lonely, but and, and and especially juxtaposed against these people living their their lives as these people who they are not. Um, and, and I mean, but I, I I can't say I absolutely love 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 Mister Lonely because it. It does sacrifice the plot of the film for this, and I mean, where where the film ends up is is rather nice, but it it does. I'd have liked it to have kind of gone one way or the other a little bit more, and if it was just a scene, a, a, a film that was just like threadbare things, you know, not really connecting all that much, which Gummo kind of is actually, but like, like certainly in the first forty minutes, I think I would have enjoyed it more. But there are standout scenes that are amazing there's this little kid who um uh, who impersonates buckwheat and that like he's like it, it, they just let the camera go on him while he's talking about how he loves chicken and how he loves breasts and how he like women's breasts and how he loves chicken breasts and how juicy they are and how he just wants to suck on them and it, it, it's just like well what am i watching here but it, it feels like just a little kid going off on a rant and not really understand what uh, really understanding what he's like talking about but he's just going off on it anyway um it, it, it's quite something as mr lonely it's only about an hour 45 minutes long and i very much recommend it it's on film four this week oh. uh, uh as well um i noticed so um you know if you've got a pvr uh have a look it's on kind of like one o'clock in the morning as mm. like all the interesting oh, stuff yeah. I, I suppose four, they'll be they'll be trying to pump out a bit of um kareem before um Spring Breakers comes out. Yeah, well. I mean, that, yeah, and I'd imagine in every ad break there's going to be an ad for Spring Breakers. I think it's one of those. But it is it is the whole thing of Film 4, apart from the Ghibli season, which is amazing that they've been doing recently. It does kind of feel like they put all the interesting stuff in at, like, midnight um, and, and the mainstream stuff in at 9 o'clock, which I suppose is fair enough. Um, but, yeah, Spr- uh, 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 Mr. Lonely, even. Uh, I'm really, really enjoying it, and I'm going to watch the rest of Gummo. Uh, I'm going to watch Julian Donkey Boy before Spring Breakers, and I have seen Trash Humpers previously as well. And you don't need to rewatch that. I know, I'm not going to rewatch Trash Humpers. Because it's an absolute piece of shit. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about him more um, more next week, uh, but Harmony Korean is he's a very interesting character um, in, in kind of um, New York cinema uh, over the past sort of, 20 years really since he you know since uh, kids came out uh, and since then and then he's very much um he's very much taken a certain path um but obviously i think we'll it's probably best if we talk about more that you know uh, next week when we've got spring breakers uh, yeah i mean but i mean like, the thing the thing with trash humpers that makes trash humpers shit i think is the fact that He's injecting like there's a lot of again, it's like a lot of injecting these people into real life situations. But what he's injecting in is just it feels like there's just too much Mm. like with the VHS aesthetic and these people being heavily, heavily made up as like as 
the kind of homeless delinquents. It's just it's a little bit too much. But and it like but Mr. Lonely, it, it kind of it, it the odd things that he's inserting into real life situations feel okay. Yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, it's definitely. You know, it seems like Spring Lake is, is going to be very much his most um, together movie. Uh, is most like a real movie. Even though apparently, well, apparently Spring Bakers is basically it's kind of just like a dream, and it's an awful lot of like visual, like montagey kind of stuff, and just the visuals and audio combining to create a feeling. Well, I, as I, opposed I, to yeah, I, I've heard it very much. It, it, it's basically a an hour and forty minute music video. Is, yeah, is, yeah, it's what I've heard a uh, lot. That's of. fine by me. <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, I'm still fucking looking forward to it as long as the music video has got um, lots of um, James Franco being a uh, badass white boy. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, I, I, like I said, I've watched a lot of. Uh, I've been doing a lot of sort of old stuff watching. Uh, the reason being is I, I've had a juxtaposition of two things this week. One, um, my wife has got um, Bioshock Infinite. Um, so I've basically been told that I'm allowed in the living room, but um, I have to shut up and not say anything. So I've kind of said, well, I- I'm just gonna go into the bedroom then and watch stuff on the, you know, the, my new TV in the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been doing a lot of rewatching because a lot of the time new stuff I watch with with Becky anyway. Um, now I'm stuck between talking about two films, one of which. Um, I've spoken about before, and uh, I think it's boring, so I'm just going to say a quick bit about it, and then I'm going to talk about another film. Uh, but I rewatched. Um, I got the um, Blu-ray steelbook of Scarface the other day. Um, now, I Scarface is one of those films where, when it first came out, it was very underappreciated, um, and then it gradually built up an appreciation. And then, in like the early and mid '90s, that you know, that status that it had got was kind of chipped away by rappers constantly citing it and talking uh-huh. about how much they loved it and how amazing it was, anything like that. So then you've got normal people going, oh, do you know what? I am fucking sick of every rapper going about how much they love Scarface. And it started to make people kind of feel negative thoughts against Scarface. I watched this, one of my favourite films growing up, um, watched it again today on Blu-ray. The Blu-ray looks magnificent, um, and it, it, it's one of those films again where, the, whenever I watch it, I'm just thoroughly taken aback about just how fucking wonderful this movie is. You know, I adore Scarface, and back to the point of I don't care that rappers like it. I liked it before they liked it. And <laughs> um, um, yeah, the the the, the what I will say is the Blu-ray steelbook is far too shiny. Far too shiny. Oh god, the like the orange. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like having the steelbook of it. I like it, but being completely honest, with the exception of Safe House, it's probably the. If if the Blu-ray, if the steelbook was the was what is on the inside rather than what's the outside, it would be wonderful. Um, but it's not. Um, so. It's it's the least impressive, along with Safe House, of all my steelbooks. God, you've got Safe House on Blu-ray. Do you know why? Because I, I, I found it priced up wrong in HMV for £6 on oh, steelbook. Okay. And I thought, right. do you know what? Fuck it, I'm getting that. Because I had 
seven pounds left on a HMV um, card that I've got for Christmas. So I thought, Do you know what, fuck it. I ain't seen it. I'm gonna get it. I'll let you off. And it's 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 thoroughly pedestrian. Yeah, uh, no, safe, safe house is like just so fucking uh, whatever. Like there, there's nothing to that film at all. There is nothing to that. It it, it is like someone. So what safe house is pretty much like someone. What there is right is there's this safe house, right? Um, and Ryan Reynolds have to look after it, and then Morgan Freeman, not Morgan Freeman, um, Denzel Washington gets put in it. Right, but he knows how to get out of it. And is that it? Yeah, and it's just all in the safe house. Well, no, they'll go into some streets and some... we'll make it up as we go along. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. that's what they did. And it is it is Denzel Washington phoning it in in the most Bruce Willis of ways. Yeah, that's yes, it is. It it, it absolutely is. I uh, whatever safe house, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I've mean, still got Ryan Reynolds in it, and Ryan Reynolds is just—I I adore Ryan Reynolds, so it, it, it's good by me. Right, but the other film that I'm going to actually talk about um, is um, is Will Gluck's um, directorial debut, uh, the guy who brought us uh, the magnificent Easy Air um, and Friends with Benefits, which I thought was a magnificent film, uh, one of my favourite films of 2011. Uh, completely took me by surprise because I thought it was going to be crap. And then watched it and absolutely loved it. Um, but Fired Up is essentially it's a story of um, two um, high school kids called Nick and Sean, um, who are the you know most popular kids at school, uh, but they're not jock idiots. They're you know they're quite nice guys. Um, um, Nick is the captain of the football team, uh, and Sean plays on the football team, but he's also quite smart. Um, they're very popular. And they're basically um, fucking their way through the student body. Um, they um, are getting a little bit kind of bored with the whole, you know, just the pool of of kids that they've got at their school. Uh, and they come up with a great idea that instead of going to football camp, um, which is two weeks away from women, they're going to go to cheerleading camp with the cheerleaders because essentially it's 300 cheerleaders and they can fuck their way through that um it's a again very much like easy air was a an 80s film made in the you know in, in this decade and uh, this again is very much a kind of 80s setup you know made in 2009 um and without uh, the um Main two actors are Eric Christian Olsen, um, who people remember either from uh, the terrible prequel sequel, The Thing, or as um, Vaughn, the guy with tiny nipples from Community. And Nicholas Diogostillo, um, who the only thing I actually ever remember also seeing him in, sorry, was uh, Final Destination 5. He's in that, and he was in the Juno Temple film, Dirty Girl. Um, the entire film is basically is made by the fact that these two guys have quite a strong um, comedic chemistry and it's filled with little kind of throwaway one-liners um, the obvious crux of the story is one of them falls in love with the head cheerleader um, who you know can see straight past all of the bravado that they're putting out there and they obviously they start 
actually getting into the cheering lark and you know what's going to happen before it starts. Um, but there are some kind of great one-liners in it. There's some great sort of comedic bits. The people who are in it constantly look like they're having fun because they're constantly smiling all the way through it. Um, there's no nastiness in it. It's quite a nice film. Um, and again, very much like, like Easy Air, it, it's a... It, it runs across at a nice pace and it's the sort of thing where you know you, you watch it you probably enjoy it and you'll end up you know you could see yourself in 18 months time going ah fuck it yeah do you know i'm gonna watch that again it's that, sure. that that kind of film it's on uk netflix at the moment so 90 minutes long what i'd recommend is give it a crack um because there's enough stupid Without going, um, without going too base and going to um, teen sex comedy, there's enough comedy in there um, for it to be well worth your time. Yeah, no, it's, I've actually, I've, yeah, I've, I think I've heard some good stuff about this from somebody else as well. So Brad likes it. Oh, it might have, yeah, actually, it probably was Brad. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to check that out at some point. Nice. Um, I, like I say, I, I'd be very surprised if anybody could, you know, there'd be people who could say, do you know what, it won't for me. But it, if somebody came out of this film and went, I fucking hated it, it was terrible, I'd be a little bit like, do you know what, fucking lighten up, man. Yeah, I, I, it, it, it's that and Miss March, because... Noel has been telling me to watch Miss March for years. Is that the... Oh, which one's that? It's the one with Craig Robinson playing a rapper called Horsedick.mpeg. Oh, yes! Like, Noel genuinely has a great deal of affection for that film, and he's been telling me to um, watch it for years, and I never have, so... Yeah, but I, I like Craig Robinson and stuff. I, I, I think he's... He's funny enough... To, 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 to get me. I mean, I, I think have you seen the trailer for This Is the End? Yes, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that looks for the trailer. That looks brilliant, and obviously he's in Hot Tub Time Machine, which is the greatest comedy of the past ten years. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't say that. But... <laughs> I'm only half joking there. Uh, no, well, I will say, uh, fired up. Uh, if you like, if you like eighties teen comedies um, and you liked Easy Air then you'll, you know, I would be very surprised if you don't like Fired Up. It is made by the absolute charisma of its two leads who are brilliant um, and it's there's no gross out moments it's not a gross out comedy um, there's a few kind of oh moments but no kind of really offensiveness to it uh i think it's a 15 but it won't surprise me if it's a 12 but i'd probably say it's a 15 just for some of the language fair enough right so that was our um one new and one older one new um and now we're going to go into a trailer for oliver stone's uh u-turn uh the penultimate film in our sleazy stone marathon uh here you go Yes, it's a good day for singing a song, and it's a good day All he wanted was to get from here to there. When he discovered 
can't get there. Oh, no, not from here. Hey! Just take a look at the radiator hose. I think it's bust. What's your radiator hose? It's busted. In the town of Superior, Arizona. Dog looks sick. That's because he's dead. Huh? Things ain't always what they seem. They have a special name. Toby and Tucker. Call me TNT. For strangers. You ain't planning on staying around here, are you? In here, I made y'all hot and sweaty. Who are just passing through. Christ! Who the hell are you? I'm her husband. It's roadkill. Hey, bud. What happened to my car? I don't know, but it's the reason I'm living here and you're just passing through. You're not still upset over that little love tap, are you? Can't live with him, can't live without him. Can't live with him, can't shoot him. Would you? Uh, would I what? Would you kill her? There's money. Please do it for me, Bobby. This car ain't going nowhere till I get money. Kill her. Kill her. You think you can take the money and dump me? What? We love each other. You're gonna run off, and I'm gonna have his love child. Is everybody in this town on drugs? I don't. I don't think you understand. I have to get out of here. You got any requests? Sean Penn. Is everybody crazy in this crazy town? Jennifer Lopez. Tighter. I won't break. Nick Nolte. Man who's got no ethics is a free man. Powers Booth. Kind of peculiar how things happen. Claire Danes. I'm gonna be 18 in two years. Joaquin Phoenix. I'm just like Dynamite Boy, and when I go off, somebody gets hurt. Fine. And Billy Bob Thornton. You think bad, then bad's what you get. An Oliver Stone movie. 40,000 people die every day. How come you're not one of them? <laughs> U-turn. How come Patsy Klein don't put out no more new records? Because she's dead. Don't I make you sad? I've had time to get over it. There you go. You heard a little bit uh, from Oliver Stone's U-turn. This is his 1997 film. Uh, the film he made after uh, Natural Born Killers, which is our last film uh, that we covered. Um... Natural, well, actually, it's not actually they made Nixon, didn't they? In between. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but did Nixon come out before Natural Born Killers, maybe? Or after? I'm not sure. Anyway, he made it. Um, the film uh, has a, quite a big ensemble cast. You've got Sean Penn, uh, Bill Thornton, um, J.S. Ella, um, Jean Vaught, Paris Bouvier, Joaquin Phoenix, Claire Danes. Did you Holt. just call him Powers Bouvier? Yeah, Powers Bouvier. That's right. That's that. that that's that's. I'm, I. That's how I've always said it, and I think it's due to a trailer from something from the late eighties where it called him okay. through the air. Okay. I just thought I'd highlight that. That's good. Yeah, because it's. Because uh, I'm not sure if it's Powers Booth or Powers Bouvier. I'm pretty sure it's Powers Booth, but, but um, it's it, the first time I've ever heard Bouvier. A trailer. It was for Rapid Fire. I think it was uh, the Brandon Lee film, which referred to him as Powers Bouvier. Uh, Fair enough. But anyway, uh, Powers Boudier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to piss you off. Uh, no, no, no. I just think it's funny. I, I think it's funny. He's, he's, he's also uh, in this, uh, as is uh, Liv Tyler for uh, The Blink of an Eye. Um, the film is basically um, Sean Penn um, plays a guy called Bobby who um, is driving his Mustang 1964 and a half convertible. 
uh, which uh, pops a radiator hose and he pulls it into a town called Superior just outside Arizona and then proceeds to have one of those just really fucking bad days. Um, so, Ian, had you seen U-Turn before this or was this a first watch for you? Or I, I realised um, that I'd started see, uh, watching U-Turn before but never watched the rest of it. Um, I, because I remember distinctly remember the the Billy Bob Thornton character, and I remembered the blind guy. So like, those are bits I don't think specifically would have really been in the trailer. Um, so like, I it, it like there there were moments of it that, that, that I I I were I was just like yes okay that's fine I I, I remember that but um. By the end of it, I was just like, yeah, I definitely haven't seen seen this all before. But I, you have, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I, I I actually saw, despite the fact that I was only uh, 15 at the time, I actually saw uh, U-Turn at the cinema. Um, I snuck in to see it, uh, because at the time I was a big Oliver Stone fan. Uh, I was a big Oliver Stone fan. Um, and I, I, I was also a big um, Sean Penn fan, and so I paid to go and see something else, watched half of that, and then snuck in to U-Turn. Uh, and it, it very much is uh, a it is a very sleazy movie, a very sweaty movie, um, and it's it, it's stone playing with the you know the different film you know he uses you know points you know he uses all these obscure camera angles etc. Like very much it, it, it's it's if um, sort of natural born killers was the peak of him being a little bit experimental. Uh, this is him still being experimental, but not quite slipping into uh, the more conventional films he's made uh, more recently. Yeah, no, totally. I, yeah, I mean, the because I mean, he's doing again. He's doing interesting things with the editing here, and I mean, it does go a little bit natural born killersy with some of the kind of the montagey stuff it does. Yeah, and you close ups. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where people are talking, but then you get an extreme close up of them, but not doing their dialogue. They'll be grinning. Oh, there, there's there's a lot of that with Billy Bob Thornton, yeah. Um, where it, like it'll cut and it's almost like it's Sean Penn's impression of him or something, yeah. Like just like the grinning slap jawed yokel. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I mean that, that, that and again though, like the the editing and whatnot, very very much fits the mood of the piece as it did Natural Born Killers. It's it's surreal and it's nightmarish and again it, you know it's sweaty and grimy it's got that kind of that kind of thing to it um even though, i mean i i, I will say uh, i mean i i, I enjoy u-turn um but one thing i will say that maybe doesn't work quite as well any omoricone's score for me um it there were moments of it i i i quite liked um for sure but it's almost playing in. It's playing up the the sketchiness of it all a bit too much for me. It felt a little bit too on the nose, even though and it sound that sounds funny because of like you know subtlety is not one of Oliver Stone's um, uh, uh, stronger uh, traits, but it, I I could have done with music that wasn't quite smushing like there's a lot of kind of like boing like boing <laughs> yeah kind of like things in there which d- didn't work for me but when it when it goes a little bit more 
what you expect. When it when it gets more orchestral, I quite liked it. And I also quite like the use of electric guitar in with that. But it, there there were moments where it took me out of it too much. Mm. Yeah, obviously I mean, you don't agree. No, I, I, I like the score, but yeah, it it, it does at, at points. Um, it is a little bit strange at points. Like the the bogging noises uh, kind of a, a, appear, um, but yeah, it's it, it's definitely one of his more interesting scores. It's just it's a bit too self. It, it's like he's trying to fit into the olive. It's like he's trying to do his normal thing, but kind of try it like being like oh you know Oliver Stone's a bit crazy and a bit random how can I be crazy and random I know I'll put a boing in the soundtrack yes I would absolutely go along with that without question he he does seem like he's playing with it rather than actually just doing a score yeah 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 that's yes yes exactly mm. um, much to the same thing I think I think a lot of the performances are uh, in this um, I mean you've got uh, you know Sean Penn you know in 1997 wasn't the same Sean Penn that we've got now. You know, he wasn't Oscar-winning Sean Penn. He wasn't... He, he didn't have the same weight, the same gravitas. Yeah, very good, good word there. Gravitas that he has now. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton um, wasn't, you know, a household name um, yet. Uh, neither was Jennifer Lopez. Um, Joaquin Phoenix hadn't become, you know, the Joaquin Phoenix we know now. Um and Nick Nolte was still a huge star. Um, so it's strange, the fact that this film, you know, it's 16 years old now, and going back to how it is there and how you would view it now is very different to how you would have viewed it um, so 16 years ago. Um, for instance, well, I mean, he did this in the same year as he did the game, or at least they were both, they were both released the same year. Yeah. And, and it was just like Penn kind of indulging... His dark side of it. I mean, obviously, he did Carlito's way a, a, a few years beforehand. I mean, like, the the Sean Penn that we know now really came in the noughties. Mm. You know, like, with, like, 21 Grams and Mystic River, the assassination of Richard Nixon, um, uh, I, to an extent, all the King's men, you know, that was... Oh, and then, you know, fucking Milk. You know, it, it's... That, well, that... That's the Sean Penn we know now, the serious actor mm. Sean Penn. Whereas with the game and U-turn, it's the more scuzzy Sean Penn well, I mean, and the more entertaining Sean Penn. I mean, Penn, uh, as part of his research for for this this movie, uh, one of the things he did was he he bought a a Mustang convertible uh, and drove out into the desert and dropped a lot of acid <laughs> and just drove around for a few days, and that's what he did. Um, and that 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 was his research process for getting on board um, with you know with U-turn um, and you know it, it's a strange it's a strange way to do it but Penn it very much is is the sort of guy where if you told him oh Sean you can't do that he'd do it yeah you know he, he he's that kind of guy uh, and when that kind of guy collides with somebody like Stone. You get um, this this quite sort of strange character. I mean, he's not a likable character in this. He he very much is an arsehole. Uh, and he's pointed out as being an arsehole. But there's nobody in this film that's likable at all. They're all a, a collection of quite 
hideous characters, really. Uh, I mean, Nick Nolte's a, you know, a bastard who wants to, you know, who's trying to get Sean Penn to kill his wife. Jennifer Lopez is, you know, a, a cock tease who's trying to manipulate Sean Penn into killing her husband. Um, you've got Joaquin Phoenix as the um, the brilliant TNT um, who is obsessed, who thinks everyone's trying to fuck his, you know, Claire Danes, his girlfriend. Um, and it is, it, the problem with the idea of this film is it's way too long. It is, it is a bit long, is it? Even though I think that fits into the languid mood of the piece. Yeah, I, I but... think it, 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 it's, it, it's supposed to be too long, because it's supposed to start to, to wear you out a little bit. There is a little bit too much someone, X backstabs Y, B backstabs Y, Y backstabs X, X backstabs B, you know, it's, it's, a little bit too much of that, like especially towards the end, you know, where where it is, um, you know, Nolte and and J Lo and Powers Bo- uh, Bouvier and and Sean Penn. Whereas, like, I liked the interactions between him and the blind man. I mean, the fact the blind man's John Boyd blew my fucking mind. Yeah, it, 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 it's a it's a very it, it that's he's very good in it. He's quite, he's amusing in it, and the fact that he's got the dog that's not dead but thinks it's dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that was great. And, and I mean, like the the like any time it's Penn and Billy Bob Thornton, the film kind of just like immediately spikes up for me. Yeah. In, it, like their interactions are incredible. The, the fact that um, that Sean Penn and Billy Bob Thornton really don't like each other comes through as well. Sure. Um, and you know the the, the great bit where um, he, he, he he he's threatening to hit the car. There's a great scene where um, Sean Penn's character's holding a wrench and threatening to hit um, Billy Othot's Daryl character, and Daryl's holding a crowbar, threatening to hit the car, and he's saying, look, just just leave the car. And then you think everything's sorted, and then Billy Othot's character goes, no, I'm sorry, it's too late, you've already pissed me off. Yeah, that's it, you pissed me off now, you already... And he uh, hits the car it, yeah. and then just drags it across, and he's thinking, no, oh, God, no, because the only nice thing in the film's the car. Yeah, um, yeah, it yeah. is a little bit like that. One thing that did jump out at me um, as as one thing that kind of really started to um, annoy and kind of grey on me um, is the fact that Jennifer Lopez's character can't decide whether or not she can speak perfect English or broken English at all. She'll go from in one scene talking perfectly normally and she'll be talking like that. So then she'll start going, well, what that means? He's like, what? Wait, why is she missing out words? And then she'll go back to talking properly again. It's like, hang on a minute. She's she's not, you know, yes, she's supposed to be of Indian descent, but she's she's grown up in Arizona. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's not grown up as an Indian. She speaks English. <laughs> why does she keep missing out words? And it's a little bit like that, and yeah, it, it's 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 a strange movie. Even after all these years, it's still a, an, an incredibly weird movie. It doesn't seem to quite know even itself what it is, and like it, it's its plot is so paper thin, but takes so long. It, it's very much it's if you've ever seen uh, Red Rock Red West, 
It's that. No, I haven't, no. Oh, my God, what a wonderful film. Yeah, John Dahl, rounders aside, is a bit of a, a bit of a blind spot for me because I haven't seen The Last Seduction either. Oh, Red Rock West is, 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 Red Rock West is marvellous. And do you know what? There's a reason why not a lot of people have seen Red Rock West. Do you know why this reason is? Because when it was released on VHS, remember, bear in mind that Red Rock West is a 1993 movie, so the Blu-ray and DVD didn't exist. It was VHS, right? You couldn't rent it because it wasn't available to rent in the UK originally. It did later become available to rent. So you couldn't rent it. um, And you could only buy it from HMV. It was a HMV exclusive. And they were the only place that at the time you could buy it. And it was about... 17, 18, 99 because it was, it, was, it was their exclusive and they thought well we'll be able to sell it off the back of it's got the girl from Twin Peaks in it and it's got Dennis Hopper in it Nick Cage wasn't Nick Cage that he became in the late 90s where you know he had Con Air and things like that and it, so it just it was badly released so not a lot of people saw it so it slowly sort of built up this this cult reputation, but Red Rock West is a brilliant uh, and I hate this phrase neo noir, but it's a brilliant neo noir film, which The Last Seduction is as well. They're both great movies, and also I'll throw in into that um, Joyride is a very fun horror film. Yeah, Joyride's fun. Yeah, um, and that's a John Dow film. Um, we could quite easily do a John Dow marathon. Hmm. Um, but anyway, going back to U-turn, um, yeah, it, it does start to get a little bit too much, like backstab, 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 backstab. That, um, and there's no, I don't think there's anyone to root for. That in the end, you start rooting for Sean Penn by default because he's just having a really shit day. It, that's the thing. You do just think, like, just get out of there. But even though I will say that ending is so obvious. Oh yeah. Like the, 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 just the fact that you know he seems to have won against Billy Bob Thornton, and it's just like he doesn't win against anyone in this film, really. Yeah. Like, oh, all right, he killed Nick Nolte, but J Lo wanted him to do that. It was all just a manipulation, anyway. I, I think she killed him more than he did. Yeah, that's that's fair, actually. Yeah, um, yeah, he kind of. So I, I like Nick Nolte in this. I, I think Nick Nolte is great in anything he does. But Nick Nolte does seem... It's the very gruff Nick Nolte. You know, he seems to be having a lot of fun playing this role. Um, and the, the only person who doesn't seem to be having fun in this film is Jennifer Lopez, who seems like she's gone, oh, I don't know what I've got myself in for here. Yeah. <laughs> she's way out of her comfort zone in this movie. Well, I mean, like, it was it was when she was just trying to, like, show that she could do serious stuff. You know, I mean, and, 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 and I mean, like, you know, with this and out of sight and whatnot, and it's, it's kind of a shame that she just went into the wedding planner and the well, backup plan yeah, and I whatnot, mean, you know. I was looking at this. If you actually go over, um, you know, Jennifer Lopez's acting career, you know, there's there's some decent films there. Money Trade's a decent film. Um, Blood and Wine is a decent film. Anaconda's fun. U-Turn's a good film. Out of sight's good. The Cell is not a great film, but looks beautiful. Um, Angel Eyes enough a perfectly acceptable movie. Um, and, you know, and this, she's got as much kind of interesting stuff, or passable stuff, 
as she's got just shit. It's just her shit has made more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then you know her interest in stuff. But then again, she's not a bankable actress. You know her. Well, she. I think she used to be like she had a spot of a couple of years where it was just like let's get her and she'll be able to do it. But like the backup plan did nothing. Um, you know Parker did nothing, even though like that wasn't even sold off her back. You know. It, no, that was. It, it, it's a strange one that she's even in that. To be honest. Yeah. Totally. Right. Um, I mean, I think that's that's about. It. I don't think there's that much more we can say to be honest on Utah. It, it, it's a thoroughly strange movie, and it still yeah. it still remains a thoroughly strange movie. Um, if you've not, but it's seen, fun. It's it a is lot fun. Of fun yeah, I think that's that's the best way to describe it. Is it, it's kind of like uh, it seems very much like Stone kind of kicking back and having a bit of fun after doing you know Natural Born Killers, and I think what happened after Natural Born Killers and then making Nixon, which is a very serious movie. Yeah, sure. Um, it seems like you turn uh, uh, very much, I think, similar to uh, Danny Boyle with Trance. Um, it's sure. him going, I just, you know, just making a movie, you know, not just to make a movie, but making something that he's not trying to send a message and he's not trying to, he's not trying to reinvent the wheel. He's just trying to make a fucking a fun movie and he, he succeeds in making that fun movie that's an interesting comparison yeah that feels oddly fitting yeah yeah absolutely um definitely not shit definitely not shit definitely not shit um next week will be our uh, our final in our uh, sleazy storm marathon we will also be covering any given sunday um probably, probably the week after uh, but the next one we're covering is his most recent film savages uh, which i'm watching the extended cut of it Okay, I'll make sure uh, I do the same. Just to get it out there. Uh, I've been itching to watch Savages for ages because I love these, this hedonistic, sleazy stone um, types of film. But I put it off because I thought if I watched it, you know, a month ago, I'd have to watch it again for the podcast. And it, 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 I, I'm thoroughly expecting that this film might be shit. But it might be great. And so far in our sleazy stone, we haven't really hit a shit one. <laughs> We've hit a not great one in seizure, but we enjoyed it. So, yeah, yeah. So maybe we might be the only people on the planet who will like savages. Uh, we'll see. Um, right on to uh, Twitter questions. Uh, we actually have one from a few weeks ago that we've missed. Really? Yeah, uh, from John D. Robinson, who is John D. Robinson on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yes. Who says? Um, marry one, uh, fuck one, kill one. Jeremy Piven circa Judgment Night. Jeremy Piven circa Say Anything. And Jeremy Piven circa PCU. I don't know what PCU is. Um, I've only seen one of those, so I can't answer. What's PCU? It's going to be really fucking obvious, isn't it, as well? Uh, Come on, Jeremy Piven, let's get to your... Uh, filmography. Uh, still don't know what it is. PCU, what could it be? I don't know, so I'm going to kill that one. <laughs> because I um, it's a 1994 film. Alright. A high school senior visits college for the weekend and stays at the wildest house on campus in the... 
in this classic tale of anti-political correctness. That sounds like it's worth a watch. I might watch that, actually. Right. Uh, well, uh, well, John D. Robinson, we're going to save that question and we're going to come back to it after we've both watched PCU. Yeah. Um, Judgment Night's a fucking great film. Uh, PCU is only 79 minutes long as well. Yeah, I'll definitely watch that. Have you, have you seen Judgment Night? Uh, no. Oh my God, watch Judgment Night. It is outstanding. It is a proper early 90s like fucking action film. Okay. It's got no action in it, but it's wonderful. It, honestly, man, I'm not joking. You've got Stephen Dorff, Cuba Gooding Jr., Emilio Estevez, um, with Dennis Leary playing a bad guy, uh, and Jeremy Piven. It is, it's a brilliant film. That uh, sounds pretty solid. Yeah. Right. Okay. Other question um, from Tom, uh, very cinematic. The studio gives you David Fincher, Charlie Sheen, and 40 million. What film do you make? Um... I don't. Um, oh. I I think it would be a, a a waste of time. Charlie Sheen can only do Charlie Sheen, and I don't think that would work with Fincher's particular skill set. The only thing you'd be able, like it would have to have some sort of comedy in it. And to be honest, as much as I love David Fincher, I don't think that man has got it in him to do a comedy. So. I would say I don't. Do you know what I'd do? Go on. I'd remake The Chase. The Chase? Have you not seen The Chase? No. Right. Uh, I, I will. I will. I will find whatever the IMDb um, little synopsis is for The Chase, and I will blow your mind. Right. The Chase stars Kirsty Swanson. Right. Uh, and this is a little bit. Right. Jack Hammonds is sentenced to life in prison but manages to escape. To get away from the police, he takes a girl as hostage and drives off in her car. The girl happens to be the only daughter of one of the richest men in the state. And while the car chase is being broadcast live on every TV channel covering the event from helicopters, the backseat of a police car, the pavement of a highway, etc. Right. Okay. It's, it, it's a film which is all set in a car that is involved in a police chase and it is fucking awful but it's wonderful at the same time I'd, I'd get Fincher to remake that hmm um, okay we've also got a um, a drawn from um, Team Zizu who says three months uh, um, and how would you assess the standard of film so far for this year uh, I've not seen anything higher than an eight which was Stoker uh, um, so how's well, the year going so far? Um, yeah, I mean Stoker's probably my number one. I mean, fuck me, it's only the first three months of the year in. Um, I mean, I mean Django would be my number one. So, sorry, Django would be my number one. To be honest. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. If if we want to bring in like stuff from tech, really from last year, but came out over here in 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 this year. Uh, I mean Zero Dark Thirty, Django. Um, I mean, if you look outside the Oscars, like, say, the stuff that was that was last year but released in the UK this year, uh, I, I think it's been an, an entertaining start to the year, to be honest. Um, but I think you, you get that because you get your weighty stuff is your Oscar stuff in the first few months. And the rest of it is kind of like, it's the fun 
you know, 40, 50 million films that they, they, they're not wanting to make huge amounts of money because all your blockbusters are saved for starting, you know, late April. You know, Iron Man will kick off the blockbusters season. Um, and then you get all the blockbusters out of the way. And then towards the end, you know, September time, that's when you start getting the, the pre-Oscars films um, coming out. And then, you know, you, you, you could quite conceivably say that you'll see most of your pure entertainment movies between January and August. And then you could probably say that you're going to see more films that will be in your top 20 between September and December. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, but I mean, what what there has been, you know, it's been fine. I mean, I like, I very much enjoyed the Last Stand. I enjoyed Bullet to the Head to a certain extent. Um, Good Day to Die Hard. I didn't hate. Um, uh, I mean, what's come out? Oz the Great and Powerful. I I I, I like I, I liked Side Effects. I liked. Um, yeah, it's Trance. I liked. You know, it's been a solid. Um, I mean, I think I said last year going into sort of like the Oscars period that. I thought last year was a really strong year for cinema. There wasn't yeah, a lot definitely. of um, there wasn't a lot of nine and a half, nine out of ten films, but there was a lot of eight out of ten films. Um, and I think so far this year, I've seen a lot of seven out of ten films. I've not really, with the exception of Dracula, seen anything that I've hated. I've seen a lot that I thought was, you know, good. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Um, I don't know, I mean, I'm just looking at my letterbox now. I mean, all the ones I mentioned, but uh, I didn't hate Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, uh, Robot and Frank, Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning, Mama, I thought was all right, Sound City, I thought was all right, um, fucking, like I said, uh, Good Day to Die Hard, Warm Bodies, I enjoyed. Um, uh, I mean, I, I've given a lot of things four out of five. I mean, not all of those that I've mentioned, but... Um, by the way, so Movie 43 was an absolute bag of shit. Yeah, Movie 43 was bad. Uh, the ABCs of Death was bad. But um, um, well, yeah, it, 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 it's been uh, a nice steady start to the year, I'd say. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, happy with where it's going. I, I, I was disappointed I didn't get to see Stoker. Um, I still haven't seen it. Um, just the planets never aligned. Um, for me to see Stoker. It'll be um, out in a few months. Well, that's it. I, I, I did I did go to the cinema to see it, um, and then um, there was technical difficulties, and we never got to see it. Um, so that was annoying, um, because obviously I used up my babysitting uh, thing there to go and see it, so I couldn't go and see it another day, uh, which was irritating, but these things happen. Um but yeah, I, I've been, you know, I've been quite happy with it so far. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, G.I. Joe. Uh, it looks fun. Uh, that's what I want out of my cinema for now, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've seen G.I. Joe, so maybe we'll leave that for another day. But I mean, um, you know, Spring Breakers, uh, Breakers this, this coming week, Place Beyond the Pines the week after, Evil Dead remake the week after, uh, Iron Man 3, I mean, Oblivion's next week as well. Um, I, there's... There's a good, there's a good mix of stuff coming. There's stuff I'm interested in pretty much every week this year, mm. frankly. I mean, I, um, I, I, I'm, I'm really hoping Oblivion's good, um, for the reason of I, I want Tom Cruise back, um, I want Tom Cruise megastar back because I liked having Tom Cruise as a megastar because I don't give a shit about what he's um, his 
religious beliefs are. Much as in the same way as I don't give a shit about what um, Clint Eastwood's political beliefs are. Um, you know, as long as he's not, as long as Tom Cruise isn't coming out and saying "burn all the gays" and "I don't like black people" or anything like that, I, I, I don't care that he's a Scientologist. When you actually look at it, there's a lot of Scientologists out there. So you know, and a lot of them don't get the same fucking bad press in relation to it. Um, I I think that what Tom Cruise is is he's a very very good movie star. You know, he works being a movie star very well. You know, in terms of he knows how to work a red carpet. You know, he turns up at a red carpet. You know, a couple of hours before, and he. He signs the autographs. He talks to people's mums on phone. He, you know, he has the pictures taken with fans. He does that bit well. And there's a lot of movie stars who don't do that bit well. And there's a lot of movie stars. I mean, there, for instance, the recent um, Will Smith comments where he talks about why he didn't do Django. Oh God! Yeah. Just makes him sound like a dick. And it's like, mm. actually, what? So you weren't the star, so you weren't going to be in the movie. The movie that's called Django Unchained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. You're saying he had to, he had to be the one who killed the bad guy. Yeah, and yeah. He, he, you know, whereas Cruz does his Mission Impossible, he does his Night and Days, but then he also does his Magnolia. His Rock of Ages. You know, he does the films that he thinks are going to be, you know, fun, and he does that. And I, I watched War of the Worlds the other day uh, with Isabel. And it's fair to say that War of the Worlds is, you know, it, it it's Cruise, you know, when he was probably at his absolute peak. And I think War of the Worlds is, is a decent film. It's let down by a shitty last 40 minutes. But that first hour, uh, it's brilliant. And I don't think it's brilliant for um, Spielberg. I think it's brilliant for Cruise because you like Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's very good. And I would like Oblivion to be good because I want Tom Cruise back on top. I don't want him to be... I don't want people to enjoy his films not making as much money as they used to so much. I find it extremely petty and a little bit snidey. Sure. The fact that people like, oh, well, look at how shit Rock of Ages did. Night and Day didn't do very well, did it? Oh, fuck it. Do you know what? So what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Mission Impossible 4, I didn't like it, but that made a shit ton of money, and it's a fun film. This guy makes fun films. He isn't trying to push his political beliefs onto you uh, as much as the press would like you to think he is. I don't, sure. don't get it. But also as well, I, I, I'm very much of the opinion now where I think my brain is building the place beyond the pines up way, way too much. I'm trying not to. I'm trying, no, I'm trying not, not to, to, but that trailer is so beautiful. Mm. Um, the the turn in, in, in music in that trailer, where it starts, where you've got that long shot running through the pines, where you've got that, that is is gorgeous. Yeah. And I'm very much of the opinion of, of, of shit, if this film isn't, you know, isn't a 9 out of 10, a part of me is going to feel disappointed. Even if it's magnificent, if it's not that little level beyond magnificent, I'm going to be disappointed, and I'm trying to temper that a little bit. <laughs> uh, but then again, it, it, it's, it's Ryan Gosling and 
Ben Mandelson's is really hard. That's true. Uh, yeah, no, 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 that's yeah. That's, and like you say, that trailer is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the 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 end of our, our our Twitter questions for now. Yeah, I'm just gonna look and make sure. Yeah, that's the end of our Twitter questions. Um, so yeah, I think that's the end of our. Yeah. Um, thank you much for listening again, guys. Um, all of us very much appreciated. Um. Any feedback uh, to dude and a monkey at gmail not at, yeah at gmail dot com. My brain's turning off. It's been a long weekend. <laughs> um, and uh, contact us if you've got any questions and you want to fire at um, actors. Do it anytime. Don't wait for you know for us to put out the you know the tweet asking for questions. Fire them at us and we'll we'll store them up for uh, for the podcast. So if you haven't come up with it on you know after listening to the show or during the show. Then by all means, you know, fire them at us, um, and they can be about anything to do with film. Or if you have to ask us a question about non-film related things, then then why not? Um, in the floodgates, <laughs> yeah, we will get asked some fucking bizarre shit. However, I did thoroughly enjoy it when you did that on Thirty Five Millimeter Heroes, and we got no guy to shave the balls. Oh, that was they, actually that was quite. Because good. I was thinking, yep, that's exactly the same way I do it. Oh fuck me! <laughs> there you go. There's a visual for you. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, guys. You can contact us uh, um, at Dude and the Monkey on Twitter, at Ian Loring, um, and at uh, Dude Foz. Um, and also, I've noticed you've changed your name to Ilaw, <laughs> which fucking threw me for six. You know, you change your avatar, you've changed your fucking name. You know, how can you change your Twitter fucking tag? That's it, man. Uh, it, it might be back to Ian Loring at some point, to be honest. But I, it, it, it like. It's a tribute to the FP. What can I say? Yeah, and also I, I also thoroughly uh, enjoyed your uh, Totoro picture that you put in your friend's wedding book. Yeah, that was. <laughs> what was it saying? It was saying something as well, wasn't it? Uh, enjoy. Enjoy. That was it. Just the beaut- yeah. Just the word. It was quite. It was quite funny though, because I was talking to someone afterwards, like because I left that on our on our table. I was talking to someone afterwards, and they were like, "Oh, our picture was way better than yours." I was like, "How the fuck did you see my picture?" And they were like. You put it on Facebook ten minutes ago. Now. I was like, "Oh yeah, uh, cool." Uh, next week we'll be covering Spring Breakers. Yeah, boy. Uh, um, look at all my shit. Um, oh, my, indeed. Uh, so yeah, so thank you much for listening, guys. Uh, over and out. <laughs>